All right, let's do this. How are you? What the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucksters? What's going on? How is it going? How is your day? Where are you at? Are you working? Are you not working? Are you having a hard time adjusting to work? Are they wearing masks? Are they not wearing masks? Where are you at with things? Helen Hunt is on the show today. Yes, Helen Hunt. She's in the new Star series, uh, Blind Spotting, which is based out, actually based on the, uh, the movie that came out a few years ago with David Diggs, who was on the show talking about that movie. But obviously, she's also an Oscar winner, an Emmy winner, showbiz lifer from when she was a kid, and a filmmaker in her own right. And it was sort of interesting when you get opportunities to talk to these people. And I've said that before. You know, I get the pitch. You want to talk to Helen Hunt? I'm like, yeah, of course. She's Helen Hunt. Got to talk to Helen Hunt. I enjoy talking to her. It's nice to see her face to face. She came in. Well, I'll share that with you momentarily. How you doing? You all right? How the kids? How's the cats? How's the dog? How's the bird? How's the lizard? What happened to your snake? What's going on with that fish? How's your mom? How's your dad? How's your grandpa? How's your grandma? How's your brother? How's your stepbrother? How's your stepsister? Who are you? I'm a he. I'm an it. I'm a they. I'm a that. I got to get that straight. Do I got to get that straight? Watching the stand-up, doing the stand-up, a little bit angry. I don't know what to, Mike Tyson and Bobby Brown were at the club last night. I didn't say anything to him. I saw Mike walk out. Uh, and it was It's intense. You know, when Mike walks down the hallway, you're kind of like, shit, man. This is Mike Tyson. He's like, excuse me, excuse me. Got no problem. No problem, champ. Uh, yeah, it's just been, it's been okay, man. I'm okay. The cats are okay. I'm still on this sugar detox. I was having trouble breathing fully for a, like a week. And I don't know if it was all part of the physical uh, trip of taking away all that sugar. I don't know, but I'm okay now. It seems to be coming back around. Maybe it was just because I was being suffocated from within out of panic and stress about any number of things. I still don't have a clear handle on how not to uh, to sort of um, the sort of psychosomatic symptoms of stress. If I'm overwhelmed, if I get anxious, like the, I feel like my lungs are in a vice and I don't even know what it is. I think it's just part of the adjustment. I did comedy every fucking night last week and it's making me, it's dragging me back into a time of brain that I'm not sure I need to be back in. You know, I'm not, uh, I'm not all warm and, and, uh, and cuddly and open like I usually am. am I, do I have the wrong idea of myself? I'm not joyous and free and all embracing and just like, you know, when I'm on stage, it's like witnessing a giant hug. I'm not doing that anymore. I don't know what happened to that guy. Am I making that guy up? So Dean Del Rey and myself seem to be doing a podcast together it's either every two weeks, it might end up being once a month, it might end up being, I don't know, what, whatever the case, there are three of them up there. Dark Fonzie. Dark Fonzie number three is up. It's me and Delray. I call him No Scuff Dean. He calls me Moody Mark. Those are the new nicknames for the new, the latest. But whatever. Go get it where you get podcasts. I know it's at Apple Podcasts, wherever you get them. Well, I, I, I'm not in charge of it. Dean is. Dark Fonzie, me and Delray shooting the shit about corduroy pants, rock and roll, concerts, leather, dog, anal glands came up. You know, the deep stuff. Dark Fonzie number three up now.
Did I tell you guys about the painting? Let's get into this. It's kind of an interesting story. A guy reached out to me on Instagram through the DMs. A guy in Seattle had found a painting at an estate sale by a Lynn Shelton. Uh, he showed me the painting. I had no sense of size. And he showed me the painting and he showed me the signature. Lynn Shelton, 9-16-83. Now, I assume that was a date, but I didn't know, I didn't know anything about it. And, and I, I was trying to figure out how old she would have been. Uh, the Lynn Shelton that I uh, loved. And could it be her? I know she had done some drawings, some paintings. She had done some photography. I know it was, she was pro- it was possible. But he picked this thing up at an estate sale. And I said, I don't know, but I, I want it. You know, I mean, if it's her, uh, it'd be a nice thing to have. Uh, I, you want to send it to me? I'll pay you back for it. I'll pay you for it. He said, just if you could just pay shipping. I'm like, fine. So then he tells me the shipping after this, a few days later, the shipping comes to $192. And I'm like, Jesus, uh, no problem. Yeah, I'll take care of it. And I, I gave it, I, I PayPal'd him the money. And then a few days later, maybe a week later, this giant box comes. Giant. And I unpack this huge, beautifully framed, I think it's a pain. It's on paper. It's a work on paper. It might be a print. It's still not clear to me. It's an abstract. And it's big and it's beautifully mounted, like old timey kind of matte, matte, uh, like fabric matte, linen matte or whatever. And it's a stunning abstract and abstract's not easy, but this is a beautifully conceived abstract print or painting. And I looked at the signature. I'm like, it says Lynn Shelton. It's 1983. But this seems to be, you know, she would have been, I don't know, just out of high school. And it seems a little, a little fully realized for a 17 or 18 year old person to create this print. And then I could see there was an imprint on the paper and, and I, uh, I flipped, I took a picture of the imprint under the signature and I flipped it on my phone. It's a high end type of uh, milled paper for printing or painting. Uh, give me no real insight. I, I Googled Lynn Shelton painter and it came up with one auction painting, uh, an abstract that gave no details, but I, that led me to believe or know anyways, that there was a Lynn Shelton out there painting at that time, or uh, that one was from the sixties and it was just a mystery. So I, I texted her friend, Jennifer, I, I sent a picture of the signature and the painting and Jennifer, you know, contacted Lynn's brother and when Lynn's, Lynn's brother was like, I don't know. I don't know if she painted. She would have been, you know, in 83, it would have been, been like in between high school and her uh, going to Oberlin. Uh, so I'm thinking like maybe she took a class with a printmaker or a master. Or may, it was still sort of possible in my mind. Her brother, you know, passed it along to the to Lynn's mom who said, um, I don't remember her doing any painting. It seems like it's probably not. It's probably not her. And then in the meantime, I have my people on IG, on Instagram, go looking and a couple of people came up with that painting that I had found, the one painting that had been at auction. Another, so a few other people came up with a New York Times article, I think from the late 70s, uh, that involved a Lynn Shelton painter who de- worked with uh, furniture, actually covered furniture with paper and painted it. And then somebody found a picture of one of those pieces, of a piece of furniture covered with paper in a way, uh, but not like collage-like. I don't. It was a very specific, unique thing, but it had an abstract sensibility. And that person had found a signature that looked like the signature on my print. So I'm pretty sure that it's Lynn Shelton 
a painter who's a guy, but it's very there's very limited information. He was involved in a New York Times article about some exhibition he was involved in, but I, and it might be his painting that was up on that auction site from 1965, but I have this beautiful print that's huge, and I've really taken a liking to it. I hung it up in my bedroom. It's hard to decide what you hang in your bedroom, but all of it was hinging on this idea that, that Lynn could have done it, Lynn Shelton, the one that I knew, and loved could have done it, but also that she would have liked this painting. I have a piece of art that she had bought uh, not long before she passed away that's an abstract piece of uh, encaustic uh, sculpture that has sort of an, uh, definitely an abstract vibe. It's a hanging, it hangs on the wall. It's a block of uh, a sculpture with lines. And I think she would have liked this abstract and this abstract that by Lynn Shelton, the painter, uh, you know, has some weird depth to it and a slight bit of darkness and a, a, a kind of like a chasm into space effect that I find compelling, but there's color in it. And I think Lynn Shelton, the film director, would have liked it. And I really like it. So it was destined to be with me from this estate sale that we know nothing about, just that it was in Seattle and that it was framed in Seattle, probably in the 80s. Strange story about the Lynn Shelton painting that it's uh, found a home on my wall. But uh, but I really appreciate all the fans. I appreciate that guy finding me and getting me the painting, and I appreciate all the uh, amateur sleuths that helped me piece it together. Um, I love it. So look, you guys, it was uh, it was fun to talk to Helen Hunt. She's in this new Star series, Blind Spotting, which premieres next Sunday. June 13th. It's always interesting to talk to somebody. And then now that people are coming back over again, you know, you've got the before she sits down here or they, and then after they talk, there's conversation that happens on both sides of those that sometimes is more revealing than the conversation we have in here, but that's just the nature of stuff. I've, I've been on my way out, walking someone out and literally said, shit, you want to, I think we should put that on the mics. Don't you? And they're like, no, or yeah. But uh, needless to say, it was nice to get to know her both on the mics and off the mics. This is me uh, talking to Helen Hunt. I think people have gotten comfortable with the masks. Yeah. I don't think it's a bad thing, I guess, to wear a mask. And the teenagers. Yeah. uh, What about them? They're (laughs) used to wearing them now. Oh, really? Like I have friends with kids who even though they're getting vaccinated, are too freaked to take them off. Really? Yeah. The kids are getting... Well, they're the kind of the last group to get vaxxed, right? Yeah, but I think if you're in a mask for your 16th year, it's different than if you're in a mask for your 56th year. You know what I mean? Yeah, That's yeah, a yeah. big year. Yeah, 16. To have your face covered. Do you, you have kids? Or I have you, a 17-year-old daughter. So how, is, how did she take it? Uh, you know, as well as somebody can take it. I just yeah. felt like I spent the whole thing like with one eye on her. Like, is she going down? Is she? What must she be thinking? In terms of mentally? Yeah. Yeah. Like the apocalyptic yeah. fucking thing. Yeah. She looked early on. She said, "I said, uh, it's gonna, it's gonna be okay." Yeah. She said, "You don't know that." Yeah. See, uh, and she's I said, right. "You're right." <laughs> I almost know it. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. I find that people say that. And like, it's a nice thing to say. And it's often, <laughs> it's often true. Yeah. I, I, you got by 70%. The alternative some, as a mother is a lot of hand-wringing and what if, what if the sky's falling. And panicking and then destabilizing their ability to. Yeah. So I went with yeah. column A. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Stability. And yeah. You know, why not? Yeah. You got to lie a little bit. Yeah. 
Um, but that must is it is it exciting having a kid that age at this time? Do you do you find that because I don't have kids? Yeah, and I think you and I are about the same age. Do you find that you have no idea what they're up to or into or what's happening? As of a week ago, <laughs> really, like the switch, <laughs> yeah. flicked, yeah. Um, and I feel like I don't know what's in her head anymore. And so I'm trying to not just be the devouring mother who's in your business, but yeah. I also don't want to be so in my lane that I am not there. Yeah. So it's like you fall off that surfboard a lot. What switch? I guess I'm getting ready for oh. empty net. I'm leaving oh, you, oh, so oh, oh. I better really change the way I do things because in one year, I an adult who lives alone, I'm guessing that's what, Oh, that's you know. what it is? I just mean like you know how they take in media. Like I'm starting to realize like I, I have no idea how show business works anymore, really. Yeah, no, I don't and, either. <laughs> I'm con- and all I do is hand her my phone. First of all, where are my glasses? Right. I don't have them. Can you yeah. do it? And yeah. second of all, how do you do it? Right. Yeah. It's wild, right? It's so predictable. I would like to beat the dealer, but I just don't think it's yeah, going to happen. Is it, but is it all age or is it that because it's really kind of like untethered, like this whole media landscape? I have no idea. I both. Yeah. Both. But uh, how many of the you've done the blind spotting show? Have you shot how many? They made eight, and I'm in six. Because I saw the movie, and I talked to David. Oh, you did? Did yes. you like the movie? Yeah, I did. I, I, I just movie. I don't know what how what is the series then? It's um. I mean, I think it has all the good DNA of the movie and all the good of completely reimagining it. Right. So, um, anybody who didn't see the movie, it's Rafael Casal and David Diggs. Yeah. In real life, best friends grew up in Oakland. In yeah. the movie, best different best friends. Right. Grew up in Oakland, and it's David's character's last five days on parole. Yeah. But his friend, his white friend, is much more likely to go off and be violent and get him in trouble. So right. it's the tension of those five okay, days. Okay. That's the movie. Okay. Um, the TV series in the first frame, Raphael's character gets arrested, and so it's the effect on everybody else that you know the white guy mass incarceration has on his son his girlfriend his mother his sister mm-hmm. the whole uh you know oh wow yeah not a comedy a total comedy it is a comedy <laughs> oh good yeah with dance and spoken word it's dance? a trip yeah it's a trip oh wow yeah have you ever seen this guy you play the, who do you play his mother oh, you do his so very you're... woke hippie loud mother is that fun <laughs> so fun so fun. I, I, I don't. I don't see you as hippie loud. So is it a? It's, is it a stretch? it's me. No, it's no. me turned up, like un off my leash. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. yeah. So that was amazing. What were you going to ask me? Had I seen one? I don't remember. Oh, it's gone. See, yeah, fifty-seven. My, yeah. Welcome yeah, to just 57. goes. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen a dancer named Lil Buck? L i l b u c k. No. On Instagram. No. And a guy named John Boogs. I know. Is, See, I'm yeah, like the kids. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're both incredible dancers, and yeah. they are the choreographers of this thing. So, so people just break out into dance in the middle of, of things. They kind of do. It's it it's it's really good. And yeah, cool. yeah. I have to say, like you've done a lot of stuff. <laughs> You're not kidding. <laughs> I mean, in a minute, I'm gonna have to watch that I don't say things like I've been doing this for 50 years. Like that's gonna be something I'm really gonna try not to say. Yeah. But it's going to be the truth in like a minute. But you grew up in show business. Yeah. I mean, I talked to only a few people. That, I just talked to William Zabka, whose dad was the director of The Tonight Show in New York. But I've talked to Jodie Foster. I mean, you're more like her kind of. Yeah. In that you were started when you were a child. Yeah. I never had the success that she had when I was little, though. And uh-huh. I was never on a TV show. I wasn't that kid from- The show? It is a, whatever. The, you know, like I, I was on a lot of shows that failed. Right. 
which I take as a blessing. You know? But didn't you do bit parts on like, you know. Everything. Have what? you IMDb'd me? I, I did. You probably I ran at, out of time. Uh, I looked at Wikipedia a little <laughs> yeah. bit, but like, but you were on the, all those shows that we watched when we were kids. Um, some and some you didn't watch or don't remember. Yeah, but how how did it like start? It started because um, my dad was a director, and uh, I was born here. I'm deep LA. Two Where generations back, um, Culver City. Oh, Culver City. My father and mother were both born in Pasadena nine years apart, like deep L.A. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's so rare. It's so rare. I don't even understand what Pasadena is. I don't either. I don't either. You live really close. You should figure it out. <laughs> well, I used to live closer in Highland Park, but it's just, I knew that when I was looking for houses and I ended up in Glendale, I didn't want to be in Pasadena for some weird specific reason. Just arbitrarily well, oppositional? No, it, it, it felt like there was a, a, a kind of waspy kind of, uh, um, you know, I, I know it's not like New England, mm-hmm. but it did feel like there was some sort of aristocracy in place over there. Yeah, there's big houses there. Yeah. The West Side gets the rap for being big and white and fancy, but... No, Pasadena, Pasadena like, big, but in Glendale, dated. there's some here, but it's like, I don't get the sense that I, I don't know what the history exactly of Glendale is, but it seems like its own place. I don't feel threatened here. My grandmother yeah. was nominated for an Emmy at the third annual Emmy Awards in like 1952. Really? She like, wrote and created a children's show that yeah. was on NBC Live five nights a week. Single what? mother. Really? Is that crazy? It is crazy. So and whose who's mother is this? My mother's mother. Wow. I know. And my father's parents lived in Pasadena. So it's some deep, deep, deep L.A. history. But show business, too. So back to what you were yeah. asking me. My dad was a director. We lived in New York City from age three to nine. That was my New York like imprint. What was he directing there? Uh, play Little plays and off-Broadway oh, So that was the beginning of it, him getting his chops? Kind of? Not his beginning. It was yeah. my beginning yeah. of being taken to like Godspell in the basement of a church before it was ever in a theater when I was six and they're oh, handing great. out wine and painting each other's faces. And I was like, whatever this is. It's the best, right? I didn't have a thing of wanting to be an actor on yeah. stage. I just wanted to be in that room. Yeah. For the rest of your life. For the rest painting of Painting faces life. and drinking wine. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you, pretty much. You did almost. I kind of did. I'm almost there. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. So and he was uh, he was directing plays. He was directing plays, and so I would go to rehearsal with him. Yeah, and I any just, big ones, any big actors, anything make an impression on you? You don't know. I just liked being in that room. Yeah, but you don't know what drinking he, coffee. Yes. And, you know what I mean. It yes. was more about that. Yeah, which yeah. kills me because my daughter is not. She may very well not be an actor, but she loves the theater. Yeah, and it's all on Zoom. She did Romeo and Juliet on Zoom. Oh no, oh, I know. Well, they're gonna. I, they're gonna be back. They'll be out soon, right? Out. Yeah, I hope she has a senior year that's real and in person. So you didn't, but you didn't act then. Um, when I was, I was studying ballet yeah. and I was studying acting, yeah. which was really just because someone in my family was. And so at age nine, I was in an acting class back in L.A. And there was a kind of one through three, one to three on Saturdays was the kid class, and three to six was the adult class. Right. And I begged her to take both. Yeah. Same thing. I just wanted to be in that room. Yeah. I didn't well, have any desire to work or act. I just wanted to be. There was something cool about it, right? I think it's the thing, which still is why I love going to plays, is yeah. that this uh, challenging, scary, heartbreaking story happens in a safe container. Like that, yeah. that cocktail. Live, though. Works and live all the better. But, but that feeling of like being of being fascinated with like behind the scenes. 
Like, I still feel that if I do anything uh, mm-hmm. television-oriented or if I make an appearance on a talk show, yeah. that, that moment where you're just sitting there with people with real jobs. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I teach acting sometimes. Now, my dad taught acting for decades and decades, and he died, and I, with somebody else, a terrific other teacher we took yeah. over the class. And I'm always telling them, you're going to be standing on a set and chatting, yeah. and you'll be with the electrician, and he's chatting, and you're chatting. But at some point, you have to be a wild animal. Yeah, like he gets to be normal and hang lights and put filters up, but you have to make weird sounds, and remember the darkest shit yeah. in your past, and yeah. move your bot. Like, and that's I think probably why I like acting is you have to be a little bit um, feral to do it. Interesting, and I like that. I I want to I want to understand that because I've been doing some acting. You know, feral in of the sense of of like 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 I understand the idea that. How is it feral, exactly? I mean, for me, yeah. uh, it's in my body, it's in my voice, it's in, I use stuff from my dreams. So the, use, the, the rawness at the core of it all. Yeah. That you've got to show up in this and, and manifest this thing. Yeah, and if, you've, if you're making decisions about the scene yeah. from the neck up, mm. no how good. fun is that to watch? Yeah, what are you doing with your hands? Yeah, yeah. but if you're using some dream where you crossed a street with a cat next to you yeah, and yeah. the cat clawed you and that's coming up in the scene there's something yeah. wild and unruly and and unsafe about that yeah yeah people always say what was it like to work with jack nicholson i think that he he to me is the perfect cocktail of satin acting class in new york city for a hundred years knows the basic stuff what does the character want where, yeah where were they one minute ago yeah but also it's like that feeling like a wild thing walked on stage and so when those and two are together, that's my favorite kind of acting. That, right. That's the, the, the present, to, to, to be present. Yeah. But I think you need the, All the other stuff. balls to yeah. be present. But you also need the craft. You need yeah. to know how to do it on take 10 and on the eighth Keep show of the week. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was sort of like, it was, that was an interesting sort of uh, time for Nicholson, I think. Because it, it seems like that was sort of the beginning of the old Nicholson. Right? The beginning of the older, you mean as yeah. a person older? I guess so. Yeah, kind of. He did that Nancy Myers movie after, which he was incredible. And something's got to give. Oh, yeah, yeah, Cutting yeah, yeah. the turtleneck off of Diane Keaton. Oh, yeah, 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 you yeah. remember yeah. that? Yeah, I do. They were both so good. No, he's great. I, I haven't, like, I, it's, I miss him. <laughs> Me too. Do you talk to him? No. Mm. I knew we never were social, but in that, but they'd say go, and we had our, you whatever that in? was, we had something. Yeah, I, I, uh, I just, like... I miss him at the Oscars. Yeah, I know. <laughs> because somebody's in there who might do something crazy. Just, it just even him sitting there in the front. I yeah. don't know who any of those people are anymore. Like I, I don't people either. Talk. I don't either. But when we were growing up, it was a great was thing Nicholson. to watch. I know. They're all sitting there. I went through that whole award thing with him, and that's fun. That must have been great. That's Hunts. The, and you won. He used to call me Hunts. And you won, right? We went both one. won. Oh, he won too? Yeah. Was he fun? He, you know what I remember mm. is he was in a thing with Jim Brooks about. Oh, Jim! I told actually me remember about what something. it was. Yeah. was it noodle salad and that whole thing? I don't remember, thing? but I talked to Jim about about him direct or you know spending time with Jack on that thing. Yeah, they got in some headlock over something that might seem small but meant the world to both of them. It may have been whether you say noodle pudding or noodle salad. I'm not wow. kidding. Like yeah. It meant something. I think one was a deeply Kugel Jewish yeah. memory, and the other was pic- a memory of wasps and picnics. Right. I mean, I think yeah, it was yeah. in that zone, uh-huh. and I was just there watching them. And um, Jack got really frustrated. We were in the makeup trailer, 
And he said something like, fuck it, or who cares? Yeah. And then there was a beat, and yeah. he said, the only art I have left is not to say that. Really? Yeah, which meant that he is still this journeyman actor who goes, I'm not going to say fuck it, and I'm not going to take my ball and go home. I'm going to stay in. That's touching. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. I know. People think of him as this... Like bolt of lightning that yeah. people caught in a jar. Right. He's an act. He was actors, 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 actor. He's a pro. Yeah. Well, there's a great story that I think it must have been Rob Reiner told me about a few good men because he directed that, correct? Mm-hmm. And Jack would, you know, when they were doing Kevin's coverage or or Tom's coverage, whoever Kevin Pollock's coverage when he was on the stand, Jack would always sit there and and just go all in. Yeah. No, he's the real thing. Right. And Rob at some point said, you know, you don't have to do the whole you can just do the line you don't have to go he's like i love that yeah i love actors that's the thing i've directed recently yeah and you just i just love actors well you sent me that movie that you directed and i yeah. watched it uh uh then she found me that was your first film <laughs> yeah wait it's and you chose that you chose that movie you championed that movie you I did. took that all the way through you wrote yeah, it yeah that one and then another one called ride that i did after that i wrote but that's original script right that's original this one um, went through a lot of iterations, and then me trying to trying to get pregnant, writing about trying to get pregnant. None of that was. It was based on a novel by Eleanor Lippmann, um, but was very as beautiful. And uh-huh. the DNA of what she wrote is in the movie, but everything else was different. Very Jewish, deeply Jewish. <laughs> David Steinberg said, "I'm the most Jewish actor he's ever worked." <laughs> Which, given my shiksa he goddess reputation, um, no, David Steinberg. You know, oh, the, the comedian. Yeah, oh, okay, you're David okay. Steinberg. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, that's right. When did you work with him? Mad about you. Oh, right, right. And right. I had when I was nine, I memorized all, like all of his records, which he couldn't square that with this blonde. Yeah, of all people, <laughs> I know. The, you're a big David Steinberg fan of the stand-up. Yeah. Huh. Disguised as a normal person. I just, I, I don't know. He's one of those guys that I, I kind of like, I don't know why I don't have a, a knowledge of his stand-up work, of oh. all the people. Because I, I like a lot of old stand-ups, but I yeah. just never, like he's a Canadian dude. Yeah. And I don't know the stand-up. You know what Seinfeld said about him? What? David's got, David not only has balls, he has quality balls. Oh. <laughs> that was a high compliment. That is from him. Yeah. So what were the first, how did you start acting? Um, I was in this class, right, the and one an you said, agent yeah. called the yeah. teacher and said, I need a girl. I went, auditioned, and I was suddenly on a plane for Canada to play the pioneer daughter in a thing called Pioneer Woman. So cut to me in like a bonnet running going, I guess this is acting. <laughs> yeah. Did you what? So did your mom have to go with My you? My mom went with me. Um, she tells a story that she came over to see if I was okay, and I looked at her and said, I know what I'm doing. But I don't remember if that's true. Oh, or not. yeah. That's Ultimately, nice it would become true. Yeah, right. <laughs> if it yeah. wasn't true then, it's true in the big it picture. It sounds like a, a, something a precocious kid would say. Yeah. 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 So that was the beginning of it? That was the beginning. And I just, and I, I was always in regular school, like because I was never in a hit show. Right. I, I didn't get kidnapped in that way. I had a regular life and friends. And, oh, that's probably and then better. I think it's better. You didn't like become one of those freaks. And the pain of not getting these parts that I thought I would have no career if I didn't get, you know, this yeah, part. Or that was right. the whole brat pack that passed me by and the whole... Were you jealous of it? Who were oh, they? Which ones? All of them. The, the bre- oh, they mean like... Breakfast Club. Oh, right. And Ringwald and Ali Sheedy and Judd Nelson. I wanted to be all those Anthony people. Michael I was Hall. never quite there in are there. Con- there are contemporaries, aren't they, actually? I guess about. so. Yeah, they you think about, of them still as, you know, they're all our age. Right, right. But that would have been the time. That's what was happening with the acting kids. Yeah, yeah. Emilio Estevez. Yes. Right? Yep. 
And I was later in a movie that he directed. He's cool. Have you had him on your? T- I have not talked to him. He is a. He and they they have good genes in terms of decency and brains. Those genes. Do they? I mean, I don't know the other ones, but I know Emilio and I know Martin. I worked with Martin. One's twice. kind of a wild card. Yes, I can't speak to that. But thank he def- God, he definitely has the genes. Apparently, <laughs> he has some genes. He's he's kicking. Yeah, you know, he's still going. Yes, yes, exactly. And he's put himself through quite a bit. Yes. Still yes. alive. Yeah, totally. I'm fascinated with that crew, yeah. Yeah. I just, I mean, there was a movie called Cattle Annie and Little Britches about two girl cowboys. And it was ended up Amanda Plummer and Diane Lane. And I thought, that's it. That was my chance. Oh. I auditioned horseback riding and, the, you know, they just put you through everything. Yeah, and yeah. I didn't get it. Oh, and and was, I thought for sure. Yeah. Oh, you're, well. Oh, you're, it was over. Oh, well. But, but you did, how many, but... I mean, it took a while, man. To get through my IMTP. It well, used to say no, on there. To, to, to sort of really land in it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It took a long time. I mean, it's it's kind of like impressive. I, I'm... <laughs> Volume, if nothing else. Well, I mean, just like just the TV stuff. I mean, you were going for a, a lot. <laughs> it's fun to watch your face I in mean, shock at just if it was about quantity. But um, like the Mary Tyler Moore show? I know. I was Murray's daughter. It, this is the thing. I don't know what to do with this information because on Blind Spotting, everyone is 30, 29, yeah, right? Right. And I just have, I'm the guy, older person now with the stories and the, and I, I try to like just bite my tongue because no one wants to hear. But it's fortunate that you're the old person with the stories that all of them can identify from your career. Wait, wait, like there's some people that are, have been at it forever and I don't, I don't know them. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I guess so. Like, you know, you you like have some gravitas at least. But I don't even there. know what they know. Like I know. given their weird? demographic. Like what did they see? Twister they saw. What else what do they know me from? They kinda have to know you from Mad About You. They have yes, to I guess know. so. Of course. I don't know. Even if they didn't watch, they saw a billboard, a commercial, something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm great in the Mad About You commercials. <laughs> awesome. Amazing. Some of my best work. But when you're doing this stuff, I mean like when you're on the set with like Mary Tyler Moore, is are you absorbing things yeah I mean, I mean that was weird because I'd watched that one a lot of the things that I did when I was a kid it, they were so obscure I'm like, yeah. I guess I'm am I in outer space or where am I'm wherever they say <laughs> yeah, I am yeah, but yeah. that one I grew up watching you right know, it was Saturday night or whatever it was yeah so suddenly I'm in there yeah it was a trip but um, mostly they were more obscure than that and then but did you find that you learned all that you know on the job as opposed because no studied studied acting you class did? acting yeah my dad was my dad forever Larry Moss forever Really? Um, improv with Gary Austin, you know, started the Groundlings. Yeah. I was I started studying with him when I was 16. Decades and decades and decades. No kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And your but your dad taught you? Yeah, forever. And what 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 did he what do we know that he did? Um he was the casting director. He directed in New York and then we needed more money. So yeah. he got a job as the casting director of the Mark Taper Forum. And it was when that theater was you know, Zoot Suit for the yeah. first time. Children of a Lesser God, there'd never been deaf theater that had come up. Um, Great White Hope with James Earl Jones. Like the, that the one place. one downtown? Yeah, that oh, place, wow. which now gets, you know, wonderful transplants from Broadway. It was alive with things that no one had seen. Leonard Bernstein's kind of Mast, you know uh-huh. that show? It's I, a crazy drug trip, operatic, uh-huh. wild thing, which I saw 
10 times because my dad worked there. And so I'd do my homework in his office and then go see Leonard Bernstein's mass for the 10th time. He was the, what was his He was the casting director. Oh, casting director. But he was one of the crew of people who would go to the invited dress rehearsal and he'd bring around his, you know, 10-year-old daughter who for some reason was into it. I just loved it. Why wouldn't you? So it was sort of an experimental space in a lot of ways? I mean, it was a legitimate theater, but it wasn't um, presenting already right. presented right. Broadway shows. Right. It was the place you went for... Uh, uh, Tony Kushner. Angels in America started oh, yeah. there. I saw it before it ever... Before George Wolfe even directed it. Gordon Davidson directed it. Wow. I just yeah. saw... I, I was saw, like, what am I seeing? What am I seeing? Oh, so like, that's oh a mind blowing. Bl- that's oh mind blowing. I, did, I just saw... I saw Linda Vista there, Tracy Letts's, uh last piece. I and seen uh, it. It's great. I mean, he's great. Yeah. yeah, Slave Play is going to come there. Have you seen Slave Play? No, I've you heard have to about buckle it. Buckle your seatbelt. Where'd you see that in New York? Yeah, I so have, you still go to theater all the time. All the time. That's been one of the most painful parts about the last year. Just no waiting theater? and waiting and waiting. Yeah, you love it. At some point, like in my early twenties, I thought, "Am I going to get bored of acting?" And then I started working on Shakespeare and thought, "You'll never be anything but scrambling to survive if you do it." So you will not be bored. You might yeah, be, yeah. you might be mediocre, but you will not be bored. Yeah, I guess you can spend a lifetime trying to kind of you know get into those and, into the depth of it and we're at a disadvantage you know there's people in the uk who are doing their they just fourth, talk like that they're for they talk like that but they also <laughs> are doing their fourth viola yeah. and their third lyric yeah. you know that's how you really do it well yeah but um i still like trying yeah i mean i i mean i have i'm i'm an, an idiot about shakespeare and I, i'm always slightly and not condescending but dismissive like anyone cares what i think i mean what <laughs> what that's what, that's not the hill I want to die on, but yes. I'm, I'm sort of like, I don't get it. <laughs> like, it's going to matter that I don't get Shakespeare. <laughs> or that that's going to be the thought that wins the day at the yeah. end. <laughs> well, yeah, I, it's just a listening thing, man. Because, like, you know, these things go on a while, and you've got to stay in the saddle with it, and you'll glean what's happening, even if you don't quite get the language. What? I, I think I know why. Yeah. That's all I know. I don't know how to okay. do it that well. But I think it's because... Um, do you know the show Sunday in the Park with George? Yeah. Okay, so it's written. Not only is it about this painter, mm. it's actually the music is pointillist painting. Right. And so Shakespeare, you hear Lear, and it's like a storm. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's actually your. So even if you don't get right. it, something's happening to you. You feel it. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. You can kind. Of, and also the stories are are pretty classically structured. Yeah. Totally. You know, you're like, that guy's. They in are trouble. actually the classically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they are classically structured. Right, right, like the Greeks. Yes, yes. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it's a matter of spending more time with it. I don't know. Maybe maybe I will. I, I've all of a sudden started watching Renoir movies because I'm reading some book by David Thomas. Is that his name? David Thomas, the British critic? I don't know. And about directors. And it's like, you know, I, I haven't watched the Renoir films. I haven't either. Yeah, I, who has? Well, here I am going again. Who has? A lot of people. <laughs> I have Important film Important brains. people. <laughs> There's a couple I saw in films in film uh, the class, but now I'm like, I'm watching other ones. I'm like, all right, okay. But maybe I'll get to Shakespeare. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. But it could happen. Yeah. So, but what did your your father land on in films? He was a film director too, wasn't he? No. Uh, no? TV a little. He did Mad About You and that started off a kind of set. 15th career at 70 he was starting a new I think career I remember that ble- reading about that he that- won, he won a DGA award for directing Carl Reiner in a, an episode that Carl Reiner was in that's he directed a lot of mad about you he did Your we dad. had one that was one I don't know if you saw the show or remember the show but yeah. we had one that was one shot yeah um, that was him not one take but one camera yeah did you get him the job <laughs> kind of <laughs> yeah, but yeah. he had been around everybody sure. loved this is the kindest man you've ever met nice guy beyond mm-hmm. 
Like I run into people all the time who put their hand on their heart and say, you're dead. So he, you know, it was a pretty easy yeah. ask. Yeah. And Paul loved him and he did one and he won a DGA award. So it wasn't like, can my dad do the show? You right. Know? No, right, right, right. Yeah. But he did. So he did a lot of television. Yeah. He did a lot of television. And then after that, then he kind of aged out of that because they wanted young people. Yeah. And he started directing motion capture video games like when he was 80. Really? Yeah. How do so this you, is my this is my North Star. It's pretty yeah, good. Yeah, it's great. And yeah. your mom was what did she? She's uh, very alive and uh, is a photographer. And she never did the show business thing. No. And you have brothers and sisters. I have an older sister. Yeah, but she's I'm not sort of the man. yeah I'm sort of the one. The one, the <laughs> yeah. star. Well, oh, God, why when you say it I flinch? I'm whatever. I'm an actor. Why do I flinch so bad when you said it? I, I don't, don't know. know. Yeah, I, well, I mean, but so like, I'm, I'm just curious because as an actor and as somebody who teaches acting, so you go through all these classes. So mm-hmm. the person who created the, tell me about this Moss guy. L- Larry Moss. Um, I heard his name. Yeah, he's fancy. Yeah. I mean, that part, I he coached me for as good as it gets. I said his name on the Oscars and then I was like, I can't get you on the phone. What happened? Oh, really? Because he coached a lot of great. So and he's he was, a, he's a he coach was teaching too. acting before I said his name at right. the Academy Awards and was brilliant. And then I think a couple of well-known people said his name, and now he's Is he highly still around? celebrated. Yeah, very much. I worked with him on Blind Spotting. So when you do, when you get a coach, you you kind of you you bring them on. They're on set with you. No, no, no. no I've no. never done that. I no. do. I taught you know go see them if there's not a global pandemic. Oh, to try to figure out like uh, choice, you know, to figure out what the character wants, how to shape the character, uh, those kind of questions. Yeah, and I. I can go pretty deep with him. I've known him a long time. Uh-huh. I was in a movie where I was supposed to slap this boy who's my son. Yeah. And I was really freaked out about it. And he went, why? And I said, I don't know. I'm freaked out about it. And so he got down on his knees. He was like, slap me in the face. Said, You're not going to kill me. Just yeah. and I, I mean, I hit like a wall. And he's the kind of person that can see the wall and go, let's figure a way around or through or something. Right, yeah. Um how some I mean the fun of acting for me now what would you figure out I don't know if I figured out the psychological no why couldn't you slap a kid I don't know (laughs) but I did ultimately (laughs) I did but I didn't like it (laughs) right I didn't like it but you couldn't find the obstacle I get great joy in a lot of things I get to do as an actor not slapping Haley Joel Osment did not make me happy no oh (laughs) that's who it was yeah that's sweetest kid on earth yeah tough face to hit yeah Yeah. really tough oh that was which movie was that Uh, pay it forward pay it forward yeah with Spacey yeah oh (laughs) whole other story there yes so but by the time you get oh well tell me about the person who created the groundlings Gary Austin I heard I heard your interview with Lorraine Newman and she talked about him yeah 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 he was Ground Zero of the Groundlings. And yeah. there was Lorraine and Tim Matheson and three or four other people, right, yeah, but it yeah. was Gary. Um, and when I was 16, um, my dad had met Gary and did maybe either did a class with him or said, I think it would be fun. So I went to the Groundling Theater at 16 years old, and it turns out it was a marathon class. So six hours of improv. Mm. And there were only like six people in there, which means you were constantly working, and I'd never improvised. Huh. Have you... Done improv. I mean. Not, I mean, I, I improvise my own thing, but not really with. Yeah, I've, I've done movies, whole movies of improv. I, what am I saying? I've not done much stage improv, but I've improvised films, and I, right. you know, improvise stand up, but right. I haven't done the the sort of the the stage ones. So the the thing, all of the improv games that you do in your yeah. own class are designed to wear down your 
desire to look cool. Right. Right. You're just right. You want to get to the point where you're perfectly happy to be an idiot. That's all those guys on SNL. They don't care. They're like sociopaths. Oh, that's what it is. Right. right. Something so, has to chip away at the part of you that goes, ego? I don't want to look dumb. Yeah. Um, but I got thrown in a very deep pool with like six groundlings and and I'm 16 and I didn't have like lunch money. So I was hungry. It was a whole thing. Uh-huh. But all I know is I left and I was like, when can I go back? And then for the following ever. Yeah. I've you would go been back? improvising with him until he passed away. And then I have a friend named Rob Watsky who has a place called Turbine Arts. I improvise with them. Like I, How come I, do, do people know this about you? No, nobody knows anything about me. I'm the worst celebrity in the world. I wear the same <laughs> khaki pants but and go, do the same six things. My publicist said to me, you are the worst celebrity ever. A picture of you is worth five cents because you're not doing anything exciting. But But I do. I just don't talk about it or something. I don't know. But shouldn't people know to go watch? Probably. I mean, so you go riff? I do. I do. It's, you know, everything's pandemic. So before the pandemic, he would do Sunday improv things. And I think there was, in one of the cases, there was no back door for security. He didn't want to, like, announce it. You know what I mean? So I would just sneak in and we'd do our thing. How many people? Um, there might be eight of us on stage, and wow, yeah, really fun. And, and whereas the Groundlings became, I think, a, a lot about characters, doing characters. Yeah, this other work that came out of Gary's work was more about relationship. Like you don't have to. There's a thing when you study improv, establish the who, what, and where. Right. So I come in and I say, "Hi, Dad." We're, I'm late for school. Let's go, right? So everybody feels calm because they know what's happening. Right. But in this other version, I might come in and just start shaking my head. And then you might shake your head. And we assume we both know what we're doing. And oh, then somebody says, I can't believe it. And then you say, I can't believe it either. I'm Someone, so sorry. And you know what I mean? It, you trust for a minute. Someone's got to throw the big card in, though, right? At some point. <laughs> but not rushing is kind of cool because you're it's, out yeah, there yeah, like, I can what's going to yeah, happen? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, because like, you're just going on the emotion of the moment and playing off the other person. Trusting, trusting yeah, yeah, that yeah. something will happen. And then like, if it goes one way and you're not acting that way, then it, it, adds, it has its own comic dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's exciting. I love it. I love it. And you just do this because you have fun? Yep. <laughs> so, now, Paul Reiser, you talk to him? Oh, yeah, often. Oh, you do? Yeah, do you know him? No, I, I mean, he, we, we did Did he do your show? Years ago. Oh. And it was kind of, it was kind of weird. You know, it was, it was okay, but I don't think it was before this was really defined. Mm-hmm. But uh, we had a nice talk. He was one of the first guys I, I like, I... I remember I told him this story because it goes nowhere. <laughs> and let's, let's, let's hear let's it again. Let's do it again. <laughs> no, I just like, I remember seeing him in Diner and I remember seeing him do some stand-up on TV. But he didn't really stay a stand-up long to, in, a, in a way, you know. Uh, like he, he was one and he was a known one, but it wasn't what he was known for. What was he known for acting? Yeah, for your show and for right. right. And he he was one of the early guys to really get big roles, you know, as a comic that weren't comic roles necessarily. <laughs> But I saw him at the comic strip in New York, and I was in college. I remember walking up to him going, like, I really want to do stand-up. And he was just sitting by himself. I, what do I do? He's like, well, you just got to do it. And I'm like, great. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for helping it, out. Was it true, though, in a way? Well, of course it's true, but it's like I, I don't – in. But you don't know how, but that's, right. what's he going to tell me? Find an open mic, do whatever, because he came up in a different time. What I can tell you about him is that before I ever met him, he was in Larry Moss's acting class and I was observing. So in terms of like people who do stand-up who then become actors, 
He's the real deal. Well, no, I think he always wanted He's to be an actor. I think that's deal. why he did stand up. Yeah. Is what I recall. He's doing stand up again though, so he must love it. Right before the pandemic, he was doing it all. He was going to yeah. the ice house and yeah, yeah, to bring yeah. it back to him. Anyway, but um, it's on that just show, doing, I must was, be doing it for the same reason you're doing improv. Yeah, he likes it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I was working. I really felt like I was going toe to toe with an incredible actor. I didn't with feel, Paul. Yeah, huh. yeah. I got a lot. I got certain kinds of attention that he didn't get. Right. But it was a it was a trick because it was totally what I did was funny because what he did, you know, it was one performance. Yeah. And I think he was underappreciated. It feels like he has like, uh, he, and obviously he, he he's shown it. He's got a pretty impressive emotional range he's able to sort of open it up and yeah you know. he's deeply empathetic he's i don't know what people think on the outside because i feel like i've never been on the outside with him we met and we were like let's go oh uh, yeah <laughs> yeah so what was that what was that process like <laughs> you've done 900 shows already <laughs> that no one <laughs> saw know? yeah <laughs> that 30 people saw <laughs> um i had finally been in movie you know back in the day yeah. i don't know if you remember it but if you were on tv you didn't get to be in movies Right. And if you were in TV or movies, you really didn't get to do a play in New York. That was like the well, hierarchy the harder, of... The, higher, the harder jump was from TV to movies. If, yeah. you, if you were known for TV... Right. And I was just known enough to not get movies. And then I started getting movies. I was in this. I was in Mr. Saturday Night, speaking yeah. of comedy. Sure. Yeah. He became that guy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, they should reshoot it now. <laughs> they um, should. And I was in a movie called The Water Dance that I loved. That was, oh, yeah, the, yeah, that yeah. was maybe the first movie that I felt this like is before that's the real about you. thing yeah and yeah. so and so i did not want to go back and do a tv show and i really didn't want to do a sitcom which at that point was the least cool thing you could be doing if you were trying to be a serious actor and he came to a dinner party at my house paul did yeah his wife knew my roommate and there he was interesting and then the next day will you read this pilot i have and i thought i I'm gonna have that. I so know that I don't yeah. want to do this. And then it arrived, and it said the untitled Paul Reiser. I'm like, oh, uh, I'm no. gonna be the wife. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I read it and thought, this is really good, and it's a really good part. Yeah. And I'd love to do it. So it was like in an instant. Yeah. I hope I get to be in it. And that was that. And that was that. And you and he wanted you. Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting to me. And that like it, that was a time where like there's only a few shows that do what that did. Do you know what I mean? It was everything the opposite of what I thought. I thought it would be an easy schedule because I would hear things about yeah. four camera shows. We worked till two in the morning. I, I, oh, my really? body broke down really? from the stress of it. Yeah. Um, and I also thought, I'll get bored of this. And I never got bored of it. Why was that? Because the showrunner was um, like, why? Because it, it's a different style. Like Friends was more successful than we were. But it. But we tried every week to have it a, a marriage issue mm. and a scene that actually resolved you didn't yeah. just end on the funny line like our style not better or worse right it had a one act play vibe that right. none of us could stand with like hearing an off note if you're a musician if yeah. it didn't have a, a full thing if it didn't have structure and you have to keep chipping away so, yeah we'd we'd be there chipping away so and the writers showrunners be... came and went paul and i were like two and me and we both know when it's not working so right and then by that t I, I imagine by whatever season two or three people knew how to write for the thing ish some yeah some yes some no and we were picky yeah, you know, we we it, we it mattered to us to be to walk the line of of silly and farce and something real about trying had, to love somebody and had you been married at that point yet? No, 
Not through any of it. No, but I've been in relationships. I right. mean, I, we all brought our stories in. You know sure. what I mean? Oh, really? Dumped them desperately. To, 22 the, to episodes. the writers? Yeah, 22 a episodes. Year. I mean, my God. And sometimes 24 episodes. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot. How many did you do total? I had 100 billion. I don't know. Isn't that crazy? It's crazy. Do you still get checks for it? In fact, <laughs> no, I think I got my big one and then it was over. Paul gave me as a wrap gift a yeah. bound leather book and the title is why I'm so tired and it's every line I said for seven years that's hilarious I know it's 162 episodes there you go that's and you did it again did you do it again yeah we did 12 right before the pandemic about empty nest and the daughter but leaving what, and what was the idea there were you was the idea that you were gonna keep it going or we, you just wanted to knock out 12 we thought people were gonna be like banging down our door to be honest it was peter toland you know peter toland yeah, I yeah mean, he's the writer, a great guy yeah. and a great writer rescue yeah. me and yeah. we had him so you had the old dna of the show and this voicey guy to not let it just be old and tired yeah we had a real reason to do it which is their kid is leaving that's yeah. a season yeah we know when we hit on something that's a season right infertility was a season right you know all that um we were like, how are we going to choose between Amazon and Netflix? And nobody bought it. No kidding. Yeah. Oh, was it Isn't that sad? crazy? We were just so humble. <laughs> like, how could they not want? They'd, we'd pitch it and they'd be scream laughing. Right. I can't believe we're seeing you together. And he and I, when, if he were here, you'd see. It's yeah. a thing. It's that sure. chemistry is the tired word, but it is real. Like we, you were married. Yeah. Or, yeah. you know, I just love him and he yeah. just makes me laugh. And, sure. Um, and then finally somebody bought it. It was really hard to get it made. Now it's on Amazon, but it's like that thing of come and do three seasons wasn't even an, an option. A, yeah, so I didn't have to. So what would you walk away feeling after that? Old? Um, or? <laughs> I'm glad we did it. Yeah. Um, glad we did it. And it was so white. You mm. know, I look back at all those shows, but I'll just talk about mine. Mm-hmm. You know, the yeah. asleep at the wheel lack of um, diversity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, that became my and our, you know, we had directors that were only women of color and mm -hmm. men of color and um, the cast shifted. You know, we just did our awkward best to say, let's at least be inclusive. Yeah. Yeah. Deeply. I mean, yeah. no kidding around. The right. crew was as diverse right. as I've worked with. And that takes, you have to. You know, you it's are great though. Pushing against the tide to make it happen, but if you, it was one of the few times that I'm like, I'm actually kind of half in charge here, and that's what we're doing. Well, it's great because like there, there's so many voices represented. Like the idea, like I, how it got so institutionalized is through nepotism and yeah. through just sort of, uh, um, you, you know, in, I don't know if it was entitlement, but I, I just don't think anyone really thought or knew better the, yeah. the, the, the institutional racism involved. But I was on Glow, and that couldn't have been a more diverse set on all levels. The crew, too? Yeah, everybody. And it was like, uh, you, you know, it, it feels like what, you know, people being together should feel like. That's it. Yeah. Well, I did a show called Shots Fired that Gina Prince-Bythewood did about sort of a Ferguson-like event mm -hmm. and the first day of shooting Ferguson happened. So it was one of those like wow. China Syndrome, yeah. horrible yeah. depression things. But I got to the set in Atlanta and I bet it was 75% black crew. And uh -huh. I went, oh my God, I have been, right. as we've established for 100 years, walking onto this white supremacy factory of movie making. And right. so that that shifted, you know, this is what blind spotting, this is what I play in blind, blind spotting, the awkward white ally right. who is well, that's opening what, her mouth right. and at least opening her mouth, you know? Well, that's that's like an, an, an interesting place to be because it's it it's always, that's 
anyone who's an ally is an awkward in white yeah. is an awkward white ally. Yeah. Like because there's no real way to be like I was on board with this. I'm one of you guys. <laughs> yeah, no, that's you know? the, that's trap number two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. But so let me ask you, like, in in terms of so you win an Oscar, you're on this long running show now, because I was talking to my producer about this, that there's this assumption and certainly it's an assumption. I think it's with men that you do these things. And after a certain point, you make a certain amount of money with the for the right people. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But like because you won a fucking Oscar and it it didn't seem like right after that it was like. I know. It feels terrible to hear you say it, but it's true. I mean, I don't know. I I, I wanted to have a real life. I knew that. Yeah. I felt, I mean, it was weird. And in one year, I won every one of those awards you can win because right. I was doing both things at once and both happened to explode. Mad about so you I, or this? or this? Yeah. Everything. Yeah. I won a, everything Emmy for everything. Oscar. All yeah, right. at once. All right. Okay. And I was... 30 something yeah I'd like to have a baby one day what about a real life and I got a little bit of vertigo that it, things were going to be were you married of, at the time um, I was with somebody that I was wanting to have a baby with so I got married in there somewhere yeah and I got scared that I yeah. would be this lifer who never had a life you huh. know what I mean okay so it's partially um, your choice uh, partially that does not mean if I had if Martin Scorsese had said please come play this part I mm. would have kept working so it's it's some combination of right. I stepped back from a few things because I thought I'm only now a thing that's acting. I'm not like a thing that's drawing on her life to act. That that spooked me a little. Yeah. And the lack of privacy, like for one minute I was famous, like followed everywhere famous. Right. That Wayne, thank God, but you don't I thought it'd be forever. Right. That yeah. really freaked me out. Yeah. Then I got boring. <laughs> Wore the same khakis in every picture and it quieted down. Right. Um I also like made a whole person Wrote and directed two movies. Yeah, you know what no, I mean. No, like I, know I what did you mean. stuff, but 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 I hear that. What happened? And I go, I don't know. I haven't stopped for one second. No, I know, I'm, but I guess that's true. Like I don't, I don't mean to contribute to to that no, narrative okay, of what's but happened. But is, I was just I wondering how if you felt that there was any resistance, you know, in terms of professional resistance. I, or no, because right after I won all those things, I did Castaway and What Women Want, and those are big. Yeah, they were all big. And even the, Twister was a huge movie. Twister was huge. Now when I'm when I'm doing press for blind spotting, yeah. all the kids say, Twist you were in Twister. Oh they my loved God. it. They loved it's it. Menacing. Yeah. Yeah. Giant tornadoes. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah, but those that's true. Those are all big movies. Yeah. I don't know how much you're supposed to at what level you're supposed to stay at ten for decades. I don't yeah. know how that's supposed to go. I just had a kind of ebb and flow that came partly and I never would have written and directed my own thing if um, I had been offered a ton of movies. So sure. I don't know. Well, I guess the question is: Do you, so you don't you feel like you've been able to execute whatever you wanted to do? Really? No, I would love to be un, too busy to do this interview because I've got a three incredible giant movies waiting for me. That I, you know what I mean? To I, act I, in or direct? To act in. Oh yeah. I mean, the thing about directing as a woman is that yes, people have begun to say hire women. Yeah. But it's but. Speaking of systemic, the thing is, they hire women to do episodic yeah, directing, right? And you can work for ten years, like I did twice, right. to make an independent movie, yeah. But until they say, "Here's a pilot," right? Or until they say, "Here's a huge franchise," right? Go direct this, yes. Until they put the money in your lap, it's wet band aids. You know what I mean? It's uh-huh. it's. There's a famous thing that as a you'd have a movie at Sundance that does really well, and, and you're a guy, and you're yeah. handed a giant franchise movie right and you're a woman 
you work really hard, you make yeah. a movie, it does well, and then you start over and with another it. indie movie. Yeah, yeah. And I, I hate to be like a complainer, but I did have that experience. Yeah, well, I mean, I, well, my, uh, 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 my girlfriend, who's who's no longer with us, was uh, a, a person who who did a lot of independent movies. I thought about her. Yeah, and I she was just starting her. to do that thing where you know you get these big, you know, the episodic, the pilot yeah. stuff, but but she, like, I guess her. She was interesting in that her attitude was she was sort of an auteur thinker. Like, you uh-huh. know, like she wanted to have the control of all those movies she made. Like yeah. and when the one time that she was on the on the dole from a yeah. studio, she hated it was it. it was a problem. It's terrible. Yeah. It's terrible. So I don't have I mean, I would only want to do that, I guess, in the land of Oz where it doesn't exist, where sure. you're like minded with the money people. But how did and... you feel about the about the mm-hmm. one that I saw that uh then she found me? Like in terms of like what did you learn from that? I mean my Heart and soul is in that is in that movie and the other movie I directed called Ride and this movie I was in called The Sessions. Like at my funeral, that was a big just movie. Tell the them Sessions, to put, yeah, to watch that. Yeah. Do you know James Hellman? Do you know that writer? Uh uh-uh. Oh my god. Yeah. He's the Souls great. Code. He wrote a book called The Souls Code. It's okay. Incredible. Yeah. Jewish Jungian writers oh, already an interesting yeah, cocktail. Yeah. Sure. Um, I used essays of his as the sort of north star for both of those things. But he says something about biography, which uh-huh. is l- look at somebody's work when they're gone rather yeah. than anything anybody writes about them because like it's there, it's in there. And sure. And then she found me was about uh, betrayal and betrayal by God, and maybe that's part of it. Yeah. Rather than some mistake. Right. Those are big things. You know, that's a life it's heavy theme man. From I know, <laughs> I know, it is heavy. Well, yeah, heavy. because there's that scene, like you know, where you know where she won't say the prayer. Yeah, you know, and uh, I don't know. I don't know what. Uh, what is your relationship? Do you talk? Do you have a spiritual relationship? I I'm... do. I do. I um, I have a my own. I'm in the other rooms that you're not in. Oh yeah. I'm in adjacent rooms. Oh okay. Um, and, I dig. Yeah, and um, if somebody says, "Do you believe in God?" then I freeze up. Right. But I definitely, like anybody, look up during a pandemic when my kid looks scared and goes, come on, help me. Help me, help me. Help <laughs> yeah, me, yeah, me. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, uh, so that's what that movie was about. Like, Were you brought up with religion? No. Hmm. Meditate a lot. My dad meditated his whole life. I've meditated since. Like, like, like TM or just other My ones? dad did TM. Back to David Steinberg. So the first season of Mad About You, I yeah. got so overwhelmed that my body started to, I got weird arthritis that's now gone. Really? My body gave out. And huh. then I we took a break, yeah. and I had knee surgery. They said, there's mm. nothing wrong. This is like a stress thing. And I came back, and I said, season two, I need time to do physical therapy. I need." And David Steinberg said, do you ever meditate? And I had taken a class when I was 18, and I remember thinking, if I did this every day, my life would be different. The TM? And then I blew it off. Right. Yeah. It's a Tibetan Buddhist thing, but it's, it's even simpler than TM. There's yeah. no mantra. Breath. On the exhale, you're done. Thinking yeah. when you think. That's what I've been doing. Don't like do, I've been oh, trying for the last few months, just a Headspace app, and it's well, all about the breathing. I, wait, but do, wait, do you still do it every day okay. since I was twenty nine. Right, so, to David Steinberg. Okay, but I mean so, every day. <laughs> yeah, well, Lynn did it twice a day, but she was did a she? TM person. Ah, uh, yeah, it's but, all the same. It's all the same. It is the same. I really think it is. But where am I supposed to get? What do you mean? Oh, where are you supposed to get? You <laughs> poor thing. Um, you know, not miserable. No, no, I'm not miserable, but like when I do it, like I find that like I can, I'm learning the tool of, you know, acknowledging the thought and then, and then, you know, kind of moving them aside yeah. in getting into the breath and staying present. But I'm not entirely sure that I'm not 
thinking about not thinking. All right. I'm not a master, but here's what I know. It's, you're not supposed to not think. If you're not thinking, you're dead. Mm. It's just noticing it back yeah. to the breath. Noticing sure. Yeah, it back I can do that. Yeah. Whereas the other, what's 24 hours minus 20 minutes, you're yeah. just, you know, that phrase monkey mind. You're just yeah. leaping from yeah, thought yeah, to yeah, thought yeah. to thought okay. For, okay. for 20 minutes. Yeah. When I realize I'm thinking, which might be 19 minutes into meditating, I'm going to go, right, thinking, and go back to the breath. So okay. That's, and someone told me early on, don't ever judge the meditation. Like, that was a good one. No, no, Just, I'm not, I'm not doing that. that. And, and I do feel that you, I, I do. What do you find that it does for you in a specific way, the tool of it? I, I mean, it's almost I have to answer in reverse. I can't not do it. It's really okay. it's not like a thing that's a bonus to my day. Like, I'm in deep in the red if I don't do it. But like, is it, do you, do you find yourself like in day-to-day life, the ability to separate between, you know, present and, and, you know, stopping the noise can, I mean, is that something you can engage now? I know it's a weird question, but no, I'm, I'm trying, trying to, to figure out I what can the, answer. I the mean, benefit is. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, but I think it's huge. Yeah. I, when I've gone through really bad and like right around the time the sessions came out, I yeah. went through bad like something really bad, trauma. Oh, really? Without going into it because there was kids. It was bad. It was like a bad one. Oh. And I couldn't med- I couldn't sit there. My right. meditation yeah, was yeah, maybe yeah. I would listen to somebody for five minutes. You know, it was yeah. too much. Right. But other than that, yeah. um, and I'm sure meditating for decades leading up to it yeah. helped me not completely fall off the side into, of the into world. the yeah. sadness. Yeah. I don't even know... How to describe it? I just couldn't not do it at this point. No, I, I mean I get it. Like, uh, and I understand why it's good, and I and I have been doing it, and I think it does make a difference. But you know, there's still like things get dark still. Oh yeah. <laughs> Is that? Oh, did no one tell you that? <laughs> no, I know that. No, they for sure do. I, you, you know, and I, I know, and I know that some of that darkness is something my mind is generating that's not really hinged to anything. Yeah. But it comes. Well, I guess the theory, and again, I don't, you know, what do I know? But I guess the theory is in the same way you get in the habit of going, oh, there's a thought back to the breath. Sure, sure. This will pass. my heartbreak yeah, 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 back yeah. to the breath. Right, right. I'm hungry. Right, back to the breath. right, This right. is going really well. Yeah, Back yeah. to the breath. I'm a right. piece of shit. You know, like they yes. all, I guess for 20 minutes you hope So you don't they, hang on the piece of shit one? Well, I think maybe what I would say <laughs> yeah, is yeah. for 20 minutes they all have equal weight. No, it's My heart right. is broken. right. I yeah. forgot to feed the cat. Like, it's oh, all yeah. the same. Yeah, the world is ending. That seems yeah. kind of worth sure. it. Yeah, they're all the same. It's I all do. the same. Yeah, but they're, for me, in waking life, you know, outside of meditation, they're all the same, only it's menacing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Everything has the same importance. Like, you know, my cat, does. I, is my cat sick? Uh, why is the world on fire? It's yeah. all, this, it's all yeah. coming at me. No, I'm with you. Me too. Yeah, you too? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. But you do the other thing. I meditate, yeah. And I you have go to the fellowship. Other, the other. I do, I do. Yeah, that's. I've a, had that lots of therapy. Yeah, yeah. Still. Yeah, not all the time now, but yes. yeah. I don't do it all the time either. I had a big oh. chunk with a pretty brilliant Jungian that changed my brain. Really? Yeah. The Jungian, so uh, archetypes, collective unconscious, the dream life. Yeah, for me, yeah. what it did because I certainly can't speak like a scholar mm. is that when you feel flooded because yeah. whatever is happening is so enormous someone can say right and here's a story about Demeter and Persephone and yeah. it's ancient and, yeah. and her daughter's abducted and, yeah. and winter forever and you go yeah that's 
that's where I am on the map. Okay, I'm somewhere. <laughs> right. I'm somewhere. It's I'm not the only person. Yeah, I'm not. It's not my yeah. story. Isn't some yeah. mistake? Yes. Some like aberration. This is, a, this is a human myth. Yeah, like God didn't fall asleep and then my shit happened. Right. You're like, not. The mine wrong. is in the thing. Right. That was a big deal to me. Well, that's a. It's a big deal to me, in given what I've gone through and in my life to realize like it's not unusual. Yeah. Tragedy happens. Yeah, I don't you're, know what's. Is there a story? Is it Romeo and Juliet? I don't know what would no, speak I don't either, to your but experience. It's just, but, but it's just like you know, you're not the victim here necessarily. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, there are these things. Yeah. That you know that they're they're life lessons that have been written about forever, where you just sort of like nothing. If you're a human, it's happened. Whatever you think is special. Right. Well, that's the thing. Yes. Yeah. It's this. But I will also say though, I've heard this term lately: spiritual bypass. Mm. I don't that's, know what that is. That's be careful of that one. I don't know what that is. Everybody's been through that. It's no big deal. So I just won't feel heartbroken right now. You oh, know oh, what I mean? Oh, you oh, try oh, to use meditation, oh, yeah, use yeah, all yeah, this yeah. good stuff to wiggle out of. Sometimes I'm just crying. Well, I don't have a problem with that. What 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 I think I'm adverse to is a victim mindset. For me too, and it's t- and I could go right there with God on my side and flowcharts right. and proof. Right. Oh, I, it's terrible. It's it, it's oh. a martyry thing or whatever. Like, it, and I don't want to, I don't want to come be. Yeah, it's an, either you got that thing in here, you don't. Yeah. So I kind of push back on that. Yeah, for I don't. Sure. I don't mind the crying and the heartbreak. Yeah. And, you know, and, and yeah. trying to be funny in the face of it. Yeah. But, you know, I don't want, you know, there's, you, you, the grievancing is too much. Yeah. And then the gratitude helps a little, right? That, that I try that. you back. I, I, you. I'm going, 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 no, I, want a, I want everyone else to see your face the, of like you ate bad white fish. With the gratitude? <laughs> this is what you look like. <laughs> this is off. <laughs> this salmon is off. Is what, what do you do? You, how, how do you experience gratitude? Do you make a list? Sometimes. Mm. I have a friend I call three things, you know, whatever. My dad did it all the time. My dad would be in. We'd be in the middle of whatever uh, yeah. lunch. Right? Can you believe we get to sit here? Oh, really? And, I mean, really, all the time. That's how mm. he lived. Huh. So I have that. I have that. Well, then, like, how'd you get nuts? I don't know. Who's your Who's your <laughs> original qualifier? Why did you Why did you? You know, I have them. Yeah. I have them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess there's a thing of I'm my own qualifier. That's right. That's when you're really black right. belt. That's no, I you... think that's true. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I've like, you know, I, when you get into the graduate level uh, codependency Is it my stuff, room, your graduate school? Isn't that what they say? Well, yeah, I no, it is kind of. But then there's there's also SLAW, S-L-A-A, which is like you know, is sex love addicts and on. But Don't just get me started. But just love addicts. I mean, yeah. you know, like you know, the sexing has its own connotations. But love addiction—that's a whole other fucking. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I you know I choose. I may to... be finally cured of that. <laughs> oh good. <laughs> I think it's possible. Poo poo poo. Knock on wood right now. Yes. Knock on your desk. Mm. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. I you know it it. I, I'm not that uh, – I don't feel encumbered by that stuff. I just get a little – you know, I get a little dry, I get a little cranky. I'm doing stand-up again. It's coming out sort of, you know, dark and angry. And, and I'm like, you know, why? I, f- I was feeling so grounded and, and really processing. But then I look at everything I've ever done and it's dark and angry. So yeah, but like, can I just say what? something? I, I mean, I know from listening to yeah, the show what you've yeah, walked through. Right. We all just went through the apocalypse. Are you going to come out and be like, on the way here, the, like, what would that uh, Yeah, on the way here, like? the apocalypse I appreciate. Happened. I want to yeah. say to you that yeah. I appreciate what has at least felt like truth. Yeah. If I have like one thing I 
fucking need. Yeah, right. <laughs> just, tr- just please, truth. Well, which I have that. experienced not that in yeah. a pretty epic level. Yeah, and so I really appreciate that. What I hear when I hear you yeah. feels like truth, and I'm grateful. Oh well, thank you. Yeah. Well, that's well, that's what I'm doing. But it's like you, you but, but it's 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 hard sometimes to be the truth guy when people are like. Ugh. Who's doing that? I don't, I don't know, know that I'm, anybody's doing that. I'm making them up. Yeah, I don't think. You might head. be. <laughs> you might be, because I don't see them. <laughs> I have not met those people. When was the last time you did comedy? <laughs> yes. Well, those, that I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But the people listening to you, I don't see a no, lot of- No, no, uh, that's true. I that's don't see true. a lot of eye rolling. Yeah, I'm just trying to figure out how to, to you know, make it- You, you, wanna, you don't want it to be- You don't want to get stuck in one rut. Right. Anger's easy, right. kind of. Right, right. You angry? Can you be? <sighs> oh, oh, yeah. I mean, I don't, I, I don't live in that place. But when I don't get the truth, yeah, it's like I could, if I was a dragon, I would exhale. Really, and the town would burn. But I don't because I'm not in those same yeah, rooms. Sure. I don't do it. Yeah, I have the voice that goes, but you'll just have to clean it up later. <laughs> you know that thing that says, take a drink, you'll feel great. Yeah, yeah I go, you're yeah. just gonna have a headache. So yeah. I have that oh, built good. in. Yeah, yeah, it's good. But yeah. when do you get to burn the village down? You know what I mean. You write something, I guess. Yeah, when do you? I don't know. When do, do, you? do you? I'm you? asking you. <laughs> Oh, I can burn the village down every every night. <laughs> I'm gonna go to the comedy store tonight and burn the village down. Yeah, it's yeah. a it's a, it's a, que- a living question. What is this movie that's coming out like? It seems like there's a lot of funny people in it. To, do I have a movie? I'm, I think I'm so. not kidding when I say do I. How have it a movie? ends? What is that? Um, there's Zoe, a lot of funny people in it. Zoe Lister Jones, yeah. who should be sitting in this chair yeah. really soon. I think you would really, really. Oh, she's amazing. Okay. I directed her in a TV show she was in with Diane Weist and a bunch of people. Um, oh, what TV show is that? Life in Pieces. There, I remember the name of it. I'm yeah. fine. <laughs> but there was a minute. Yeah. Um, she's amazing. Yeah. And she and I sort of just dug each other right away. Yeah. And um, she, I related to her because she wrote and directed movies and not enough people saw them, but I'm like, I see them. Yeah, I see yeah, them yeah. and they mean something to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. And so right in the beginning of lockdown, she called and said, I don't know how we're going to do it. This is before we all had the PPE and we had it down with the yeah, shields yeah, and yeah. the tests. None of that existed yeah. yet. Um, but she described what it's about, which is this woman played by her and her younger self at mm-hmm. 15 or something. Uh-huh. It's the last day on earth. And so she travels around and makes amends and says, talks to the boyfriend she oh, never so had. Oh, so that's why it's such a huge cast. Yeah. Interesting. And so I drove over there. We all were six feet apart. The crew was three. I did one long scene and went home. And it got into Sundance and it's going to be released. So that's what it is. I only it's have one, one scene. It's in a one, and yeah. that's why there's so many people. Yes. It's a journey. It's ensemble. It's a journey. It is. It is. But it's almost like a like she moves through all these people. They all represent yeah. something. Yeah. And then she gets to her mother, <laughs> which is me. And Oh, really? Yes. I like, all I see at the bottom is Polly Shore as himself. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm wondering, wondering where that. Lands. I don't know where that what that is. So, did you ever do like you never did you ever weren't involved with like the stand up world at all? Were you? To me, that is you know that is. But you never went to the comedy store back. Oh, in the I went day to and, all those places. Yeah, do you know improv- Tim Thomerson? Sure. So Tim Thomerson, one of my greatest friends. Yeah, he did the, like uh, the the the, the, the stagecoach, the stagecoach yeah. bit. Yeah, no. forever. A lot of comics I know go, well, that was the guy. Yeah, that yeah. was the guy before sure. so many guys. So sure. I worked with him twice, like once on a sitcom when I was 16 and once in a B movie. You know, like that's the good thing about being in 5,000 things that nobody sees. I've met a lot of interesting- Met all of them. I've met everybody. Well, it used to be And small, I love some of them, including Thomerson. It used to be a small town I guess in so. a way. I guess so. 
Like, you know, I I remember... To the same people in auditions. Right. Yeah. And, like, I remember talking to, like, Ed Begley or somebody, and it was like, yeah. I love Ed Begley. Sure, in the 70s, it was like, you know, there was was a hierarchy, but, you you know, if you were going to the parties, you were going to the parties, right? Yeah. And everyone was there. Yeah. The entire 70s. I tell people in my class that are young that think they'll never work that... And it's so easy for me to say, but it's true. When I look back at that age 24, 25, out uh-huh. of work, like if you had one thing to do, you mm. were happy because you, mm. you went to the gym and then you had one audition maybe yeah. and then you went to Hugo's or yeah, Arts right. Deli. Sure. And then you all went to a movie because right. you had nothing to do. Right. That's the most fun I've ever had. <laughs> and you, they all want to win an Oscar and of course they should. Uh. I didn't have fun. I had fun at Arts Deli with all my actor friends. Right. Including Begley. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. You knew him back in the I day. I know him forever, St. Elsewhere. And oh, yeah. In fact, when I was going through a hard time, I called him up and I said, I'm not doing well. And he said, I'll meet you at the beach. And we picked up trash on the beach. Because he knows <laughs> the secret. He knows you got to do something like that to get your... Be of service. Yeah. Do the thing. Yeah, do the thing. Well, that's sweet. Yeah. I'm glad you have good friends. I have good, good friends. And I'm glad you're stable and your kid's all right. You're all right. I'm good. Good. Nice (laughs) talking to you. Nice talking to you. That was Helen Hunt, the uh, actress and film director and human. That was great. Her new series, Blind Spotting, premieres next Sunday, June 13th. And obviously you can watch her in anything else. The movie she made, the movie she's in. I'm sure you can find Mad About You playing at all times somewhere in the universe. Uh, That's it. Dark Fonzie is me and Dean Del Rey. There are three of them up where you get podcasts. Uh, I think it's fun. People seem to like it. So if you want to check that out, go check that out. And now I'm uh, going to play some Texas style blues. Later Texas style. Uh, Maybe it's Texas. Maybe. I don't know. It's a riff, man. Here's the riff, man. Monkey and the Fonda Cat Angels everywhere. Send letters, ship packages, and pay a lot less with discounted and pay a lot less with discounted cunt and shit fucking balls in your eat your fucking ass with your hand. 
Send letters, ships, and packages, and pay a lot less with discounted rates from USPS, UPS, and more. <laughs> 